have a Bible in front of you, I would invite you to turn to that second portion that we read together, John chapter 20. And we're reading, or we're focusing rather, on the section from verse 19 through to the end of verse 22, really. Jesus appears to his disciples. Jesus appears to his disciples. So folks, we know, eh, don't we, that if we are ever in a job interview situation, that we have to be on the lookout for follow-up questions. Follow-up questions. You know the sort of thing I, I'm, I'm sure. You know, if an interviewer asks you a question in an interview, if he asks you a question like, what do you think your strengths are? If he asks you that, then you know, your mind can go off, you know there's a follow-up question. You know that in a minute, he's going to ask you, okay, that's your strengths. Now tell me, what do you think some of your weaknesses are? Are. It's a follow-up question. And in some ways, friends, that's what we're going to do tonight. You see, this morning, uh, we considered the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was a declaration from God. And this evening, we come to a follow-up question. Tonight we consider what accompanies Jesus' resurrection. Okay, that's a question tonight. What accompanies Jesus' resurrection? So let's look at scripture. This is where the power is, the word of God. Let's consider this section in John 20. And let's consider three things together. Three points tonight. Let's consider firstly that the risen Lord brings peace. The risen Lord brings peace. Now in Britain, in the 21st century, we live in a culture, I suppose a culture of fear. A culture of anxiety. And this has, if anything, it's kind of increased over the last years. I read a, a poll, uh, a poll in the last couple of days, and it suggested that the figure they, give, they gave was nearly 80% of people, they feel a greater sense of fear and anxiety than they did a decade ago. 80%. Greater fear. I presume partly to do with the, the downturn in the economic Situation. We are a nation that experiences fear, a nation that experiences a great level of anxiety. And then we get quite a vivid and a striking picture of fear here in this section, don't we? We get, we get a picture of anxiety at the beginning of this passage of Scripture. Because just think about the disciples here, okay? Just think about the situation of Jesus Disciples, they're gathered together in a room, aren't they? They're huddled together. 
They've bolted the door. They've locked the door to the outside. A few days ago, they saw their leader arrested. They saw Jesus killed, and now they are scared. They are panicking. The Jewish authorities who put Jesus to death, they are soon going to come for them. You can see it, can't you? You can almost... You can almost taste the, the tension and the fear in that room. But then what happens? They're scared. But what happens next? Well, Jesus appears. Jesus comes and he stands in uh, their midst. He enters the room. Now, we're not told exactly how that happens, are we? You know, does Jesus just appear out of the blue? Does he come through the walls? Does he? Does he miraculously come through these bolted doors? We don't know. All we know is that Jesus suddenly stood amongst them and we know that he said something. He spoke. And we need to pay very close attention to what Jesus said. I don't know if you can see that. It is at the end of verse 19. Jesus stood amongst them and he said, Peace. He said, Peace be with you. Isn't that Isn't that brilliant? Isn't that absolutely tremendous? Just as these people are fearing for their lives, just as they are are, are panicking, they're gripped by fear, just as that is happening, Jesus appears and he announces peace. What a brilliant first word for the risen Lord to say to his disciples. Now friends, please tonight reflect on what that expression of peace means for you, okay? Please reflect on what that expression of peace means for the situation that you are in. Consider firstly this. Consider that Jesus didn't announce this from the corner of the room. Okay? He didn't announce this looking on to his disciples. No, Jesus went into the midst of them. He was among his disciples when he offered peace. Consider that no barrier, no no locked door is an obstacle to the peace that Jesus Christ can bring to your life. So tonight, please think about this. Please think, what is the situation that is causing me distress in my life? What is it that is leading me to fear? What is it tonight that is even leading me to to tears? Whatever that situation is, know this. Know that the Lord can come into the midst of your life and that the Lord can bring peace. He can bring peace that takes away fear.
And then secondly, consider, if you will, the, you know, the type of peace that Jesus Christ offers. See, what does he say? He comes in and he reaches the disciples. He comes amongst the disciples and he says, peace. That's that, the Hebraic welcome, a traditional welcome. He says, shalom. Shalom. And you see, shalom is not at all like our English word for peace. Not a bit of it. It's a much a grander idea than our idea of peace. It's a much more significant peace. And that is what the risen Lord offers. Tonight he offers us a pervasive peace. He offers us an extensive peace that gets to the very core of our being. He offers us completeness. He offers us wholeness, crucially, at Easter time, because of Good Friday, because of the cross. He offers us peace with God. Peace with God. You see, folks, peace is a a wonderful consequence. It is a wonderful blessing of the gospel. Now, have you ever noticed how, um, how the Apostle Paul, how he begins his letters in the New Testament? You ever realized he begins each letter in the same way? He begins it talking about grace and peace. It's always, always peace. Why? Because he's writing about the gospel. He's writing about a message that provides peace between man and God. And then how? How was the very birth of our Lord announced? How was it announced? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Peace. To men on whom his fever rests. You see, folks, this was much, much, much more than some sort of traditional greeting that Jesus was giving here. It's much more than that. Romans 5.1. Hear this verse. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, what do we have? We have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you tonight. Have we all, there's not that many of us here, have we all got that peace with God? Do you have that peace with God? Do you have a saving, an eternal shalom? Do you? If not tonight, call out to Jesus. He can come into the midst of your life. And he alone can offer you peace. He alone is the prince of peace. The prince of peace. Okay. Now, a book has, (coughs) excuse me, been very recently published. And it was written by a Christian, Christian man. And this Christian man wrote the book as he was dying of cancer. And he wrote the book to tackle 
the very thorny, difficult issue of death from a Christian perspective. And I read um, an extract from the book this week. And rarely have I read a more poignant and more moving uh, article than that. Because this Christian man, he faced death with hope. You know, he faced death with expectancy. And the thing that grabbed me the most was that this man, this guy, he faced death rejoicing. He did. He was rejoicing in his death. Now, how is, how is that possible? How is it possible to face death rejoicing? Well, of course, the answer is because of his Savior. So the second point tonight. The risen Lord brings joy. The risen Lord brings joy. Now, what we have in this section, one of the words, is what is called an aorist verb. An aorist verb. And what that conveys here in the word overjoyed, what it conveys is a sudden burst, a sudden explosion of joy. Now please try and imagine what it would have been like in that room in the first century in Jerusalem. These disciples are scared out of their wits. They are confused, they are panicking. And then suddenly... Jesus appears before them. The Lord is here. They thought he was dead. But the one they loved was here. What delight. What joy was theirs. And I think we should note as well that this joy was actually a fulfillment. A fulfillment of promises that Jesus Christ had made to his loyal band of followers. Because time and again, throughout the Gospel of John, we hear Jesus promise his disciples that he's going to leave them, but that one day he's going to come back, and when he comes back, he's going to bring with him joy for these disciples. We see that time and time again. Chapter 15, we see it. Chapter 16, we see it. Chapter 17, we see it. I'll read you John 16, 20. It says this. Jesus to his disciples, he says... You will weep. You will. You will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. But your grief, your grief will turn to joy. See, the point is, friends, that joy surrounded the resurrected Lord. Joy went with Jesus wherever he went. You know, such is the joy of the resurrection that one commentator that I read this week, he said this, he said, joy is the basic mood of Easter. Now friends, is that, is that really true of our experience? You know, are, do we rejoice in the resurrection? Wider than that, does joy, Christian joy, joy in Christ, does it characterize your life? 
Are you a joyful Christian? You should be. You should be. You see, the grave clothes are empty, aren't they? That tomb is is empty. There is so much for us to be rejoicing in. But folks, I know. I know that sometimes that is not the case. And I know that tonight, for many of us, that we are not rejoicing in the resurrection. That we find it very, very difficult because of where we are, because of the situations of our lives. We find it very, very difficult to rejoice. Well, get this. If you are not rejoicing in Jesus Christ tonight, then consider what prompted the disciples' joy in this portion of Scripture. What prompted the disciples to rejoice? You see, there's a word missing in the NIV. It's the word, therefore. It's not here. You see, it tells us that the disciples rejoiced because Jesus showed them his wounds. Okay, it should say, he showed them his hands and his side. Therefore, they rejoiced. He showed them his wounds and that prompted their joy. You see, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he is one who understands our suffering. He is one who's been through all the anguish and the pain himself. And note that he was not raised to a flawless body. He retains his scars. Our Lord remembers exactly what it was like to suffer. And the disciples can rejoice. The disciples can sing praise to Jesus Christ. Why? Because those scars are victory scars. Jesus Christ has won the victory over this pain. He has won victory over fear. And he has won victory over our wounds. So friend, tonight, no matter what it is, no matter what that clouds over your life is, hold on to the fact That your Savior is risen from the dead. Behold his hands. Behold his side. And know that by those wounds, you can be healed. By those wounds, joy can come into your life. Now, on the 30th of January 2002, uh, the New York Times it reported a number of stories <clears throat> and a number of accounts about what happened on September the 11th and the tragedies then. And one of the accounts, it involved rescue workers who arrived at the scene of September 11th. And these rescue workers, they encountered... They encountered loads and loads of problems and difficulties because the lines of communication were down. Okay, because of the volume of of traffic on mobile phones and radios, they couldn't communicate 
with each other. And then one of one group of workers, it realized that one of the towers, one of the twin towers, was about to come crashing down. So instead of just you know fruitlessly trying to contact their colleagues who were in that building, what they did they decided to physically send a messenger into that building with a message that it was about to come down. And the New York Times, it reports that the messenger went and he got there just in the nick of time. He conveyed the message to his colleagues and they all got out just, just before the World Trade Center came crashing down. And we see something like that in our third and our final point this evening. And that is that the risen Lord seeks service. We've seen the peace, we've seen the joy, but now the risen Lord seeks service. Okay, how does this... uh, How does this section of scripture end? How does it conclude? Well, Jesus repeats his expression of peace. There's that emphasis of the peace he brings. And then he makes a hugely significant statement, a statement about the future of his people. He says to his disciples, he says this, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, I am sending you. So it ends by Jesus enlisting or commissioning his people. He commissions them to go out with the news of the resurrection out into the world. And friends, we've seen that what Jesus brings through his resurrection, haven't we? We've seen that he brings to us peace. And we've seen that he brings to us joy. But now we see in our last point of the day, the day that we've been talking about the resurrection, morning and night, we see now what our response, what your response to the resurrection must be. You see, we are to be that person who ran into the building with the message. We are to be the people who take a message to people in danger. We are to be the people who take the good news of the gospel to a dying people. Now, how do you, how do you feel about that? I used to hate that when a minister would say that. You know, how do, how do you feel when you hear that we are commissioned to go out with the gospel into that world out there? You know, do you, do, do you regard yourself as a messenger? Do you feel ill-equipped, ill-equipped for that task? Well, if so, if you feel ill-equipped, consider what else Jesus does here. Because he doesn't just send out his disciples, does he? He also... Excuse me, he also equips them, doesn't he? Because there's this, there's this sort of symbolic 
precursor, a symbolic forerunner of Pentecost here. Jesus breathes. He promises his disciples the Holy Spirit. And there we see the sort of great equipping of the saints, don't we? Because we see there the Trinity in action. The Trinity in action. Because the Father, he sends the Son, and then the Son involves the Holy Spirit. See, I think if we were all to gather together and talk about this, I think we'd find, if we were honest, that everyone in this room feels ill-equipped for the work of the gospel. If we're honest, we all feel ill-equipped. But friends, just look at this passage of scripture. Look at the power. Look at the power that is at our fingertips through faith in Jesus Christ. If we go out, we have the power of God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the power of the Trinity. We have the power of a God who raised Jesus Christ to life. So we are commissioned and we are equipped. So I guess the only remaining question is, are we going to bother to do it? You know, are we... Are we, we can either be a failing congregation. We can either be a congregation that is sedate, a congregation that relies upon the fact that if you type into Google the words Presbyterian, London, and church, that we come up first. We can either be a congregation that just does that, And we can be a people who heed and obey the words of Jesus Christ and go out there with the great news that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. That we go out there with the great news of the gospel. You see, yesterday I read a statistic. You ready for it? The statistic said that there are still 6,000 people groups in this world who have never heard about the resurrection. 6,000 people groups. That's a lot of people. And there are people in your life and in my life who still have not heard the good news of salvation. That is a lot of people. A lot of people in a building that is just about to come crashing down. Friends, that Christian man that I mentioned earlier on, the man who had inoperable cancer, well, he died. And he died on Easter Saturday uh, in 2010. And his final words were very simple. His final words were, I am nearly home. I am nearly home. 
Friends, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the news that brings hope. You know, we have the news that brings peace. We have news that brings joy. So let's not bring, let's not keep that to ourselves. Let's pray.